Hi, welcome to All About Design. I'm Jamie Garza. I'm a structural engineer here in Los Angeles with the Design Collaborative, and I'm passionate about empowering our community to build a sustainable and fulfilling environment. In each of our episodes, we will invite our guests to discuss how we create, design, and inspire a better world for each of us. We're excited to share our vision with you. Now let's jump in. My special guests today are Loanne Vu Clark with Office 42 Architecture and Melissa Kite from Melissa Kite Design. And I want each of you to both give us a brief introduction of your background. So we'll start with Melissa. Hi, thank you so much for having me today. My background largely is actually in the theatrical arts. I grew up as a dancer. I later transitioned to pursuing acting. I never actually made a living as an actor, which is in part now why I do focus on interior design. I have my own interior design company, which I've had from between seven and eight years now. I, um, I've always been interested in line and form and space and also the reflection of the human condition. And so it is my desire and interest to help people feel reflected in their home environment, specializing in residential interior design. Luann? Hi, uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm an architect. I've been out of school for 20 years and uh, been working in the architecture profession. I live in Burbank with my husband and my six-year-old son. So in my profession, it's been a transition for me to go from being an, a professional architect to being a mother and navigating that through just having my son taking care of him and also being a woman working in the field. Well, thank you both for joining our discussion today. I just want to mention that me and Melissa know each other through ballet, through dance, and also we've connected on a spiritual level. So this idea of creating a space in your environment to reach that kind of peaceful experience or a spiritual experience in your home or in any environment of what the design looks like in that environment. And then specifically our struggles during this pandemic. This pandemic has stressed, I think everybody, and also kind of put a focus on our home lives, how we live, where we live, and how we interact with people now and how we interact with work. And then there is that spiritual component of how do we find peace in these environments? And, and what is, as an interior designer from Melissa's perspective and as an architect from Loanne's perspective, how do we create these spaces so that we can be productive, we can connect spiritually, we can be great you know, wives, we can be great sisters, and we can be great friends during this stressful kind of time when we're all stuck quarantining in our houses or apartments. And I'd love to jump in here and I'd love to hear from Melissa on how your pandemic experience and specifically what you're learning you need to do differently and maybe some ideas for the future and some ideas for your clients. Well, I'll start by saying that at the beginning of the pandemic, I was very resistant to accepting the reality of what we were experiencing. I was very resistant, a feeling of we're soldiering on, 
it's going to be okay. Everybody should just relax. And as I was witnessing people around me, including the woman who I lease my office from, becoming more afraid. And then we were all, you know, figuring out protocols. And so what do we do with that? What do we do with uh, the emotional reaction of fear and then the real facts of how we need to take care of ourselves differently? Once I finally pushed through my own resistance, I realized that I was actually very comfortable working from home. But I had to work through that, that resistance first. So I would say one of the biggest obstacles I have had, and I think we all have in terms of any kind of change and where I try to help my clients in the design world, really accepting what is, which in the design world, the practicality of that is an as-built. We have to have a solid as-built, this is what is, before we can create proposed new drawings, new solutions, new ways of being in our home or office or environment. So that's always the first step is taking that real inventory. And so on a personal level, taking that inventory of where, how do I feel in my existing space? What are the obstacles I'm up against and what is working and communicating that inventory And then the next thing would be to really try to clean out and organize as much of that as possible so there's not a lot of extra muck and guck around all of that and then start creating new solutions moving forward. Thank you, Melissa. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've realized throughout my experience that I've really began to enjoy the space that is my home and being able to fully utilize it. Before I was with this startup, I would go to the office from seven to seven, come home, eat, sleep. And then during the weekend, you know, I would do a bunch of errands around town and I really wouldn't be in this space that I've invested so much of my money into furniture, with painting it, with interior design, with landscaping. And I realized working here basically full time from being in a startup before the pandemic, and then even more so during the pandemic, has allowed me to really explore the space and see kind of the positive things about working in the space, and also kind of the negative things about what needs to change in the space and why it isn't really a workspace or designed as an office space. I mean, right now we're here during the pandemic, quarantined, and I have three computers at a kitchen table. And so when we want to eat and forget about work, you have to put all these laptops away, hide them so you can have that peace (laughs) and spiritual release from work at the end of the day, which is still in the same space. So that's kind of where I'm coming from as a single woman in a pandemic situation, living in my space. And I'd love to hear from Loanne and how she's adapted from being at the office to the home environment with a husband and a kid. So for me, uh, setting up the office was something that I had done before going back to work. So I had made a transition to go from working from home to working at the office and now coming back to the home. And I've actually built a lot of art, my desk and 
just stations for our computers. And it was pretty much set up. In that way, I was very lucky to come back home and just have it already set up. What we had to do, though, was to set up my son with his own workstation and then set up my husband. And then my son and I share a workspace room. And sometimes we have to just make sure that he's quiet while I'm on a meeting. That sort of thing is more of an issue for us with sound and just navigating between this is time that we're, I'm working and this is the time I'm being a mother. And so when we take lunch breaks or we take nap breaks for him, we have to then shut that down and have to go back and forth with that. But otherwise, in terms of having this situation and leaving the office, the harder things, and I think a lot of people may have this, is more like having the ability to connect to the office online. So everybody's almost always having some type of server issue or connection issue, slow speed. Those are our big, bigger issues. No, thank you for that. And I'd like to dive into, you said you had to set up your kids' office space and that you guys share, it's kind of like an open workspace in your space. Uh, can you describe that and kind of how you set that up for your son? Yeah, we had a managed by using one of my old computers and setting him up as a unique user. And since uh, March was when this whole thing started, he had to go home. And when he went home, he still had classes online and it was a whole thing to teach him just a boy just learning how to type on the computer, type his own name. He's learned so much, though, in this time, it just being able to be online. But then there's that issue is he's learning more and has the ability to use his fingers and his mind to work through keyboards, but he doesn't have the ability to control himself. So shutting down the computer just when he feels like it, even though he, he shouldn't be, or <laughs> just going on new websites that he's just clicking. I've, I find that with us working together in the space, it's somewhat a necessary thing because he does need me as his technical support. And so every little bit, if he's working on an online camp uh, meeting, he has his own Zoom meetings, then I have to be there if something doesn't work. Uh, work out for him. So I have to help him with that. And I'm sure this is a similar experience that many parents are dealing with right now is the online education and that a part of this will continue into the future of kids staying home. This sort of online learning is going to continue. And it's great that you're kind of his technical support there. And Melissa, I wonder like, is this a design opportunity for us to kind of reconfigure the house so that we can uh, find a way to be productive and also take care of each other? I love that marriage of the, the way that you just phrased that, be productive and still take care of each other. I live by myself with my cat. <laughs> um, so I have a, you know, I have a particular experience. All of my clients, everyone is challenged with 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 what I'm, I'm trying to find the I, i'm going to come back to the word resistance um because there's it's like a push and pull of how do we actually house all of these psyches and the need for all of these psyches in in activity schooling parenting teaching 
cooking, nourishing, playing, working, scheduling, organizing, literally all the parts of the psyche and all the areas of the psyche that need to be active and activate in order to just function are all now under one roof. And to some extent, I have to say that's actually exciting and sort of evolutionary um, because we're not as fragmented, but it takes, it requires a lot of deep listening, not only to yourself, but to the other. And I think that's where, how do we take care of each other? That part of the question really comes into play. And like, how do we care for each other's need for space? Like if you need, if you need quiet time, if you need alone time, and still participate with one another in the daily needs of, of functioning through the household, whether it's cooking together or cooking separately. I mean, there's a, there's a family I'm working with right now, and they're in a small house, and they're not ready to take the next step of investment to a larger space. So they're really trying to make their backyard as functional and, and, and still playful <laughs> as possible. And it's, it's a lot of, um, you know, like after you've done the things that I spoke about earlier in terms of like cleaning out the color, how do we reshape and, and shape shift <laughs> environments and rooms so that a room can hold different activities, but also maybe there might be some rooms that you're like, this has to be a sacred space where only these two things happen in and the rest has to happen somewhere else. I don't care if it's a tree house. No, yeah, it's interesting you say that because I, I've i completely reorganized each room of my house. And to be honest, I did have what you would call an office, but it was really storage. So when you're working from some other place, you're going to an office, you have these rooms that kind of just accumulate stuff. And I've had to get rid of, you know, three bookshelves that were just full of clutter, not just books. I reorganized the books, put them in different places, but I got rid of all the clutter, all the stuff that you just collect over time. And the space is now more of an office. It's more of a peaceful environment, a productive environment, whereas before working in that space was traumatic because you would just sit in there and be like, oh, I should really organize that. Oh, I should really do that. Like for me to work in these spaces, I had to like clean them. In this kitchen area, in this dining room area, I had to reorganize it so that it felt in a way where I was facing a window and could be productive and feel comfortable looking outside when needed. I wonder like, Loanne, you created this space, your husband's and it's upper in bedroom upstairs, you and the kid are in, in the downstairs. How did you guys as a family design this? How did you decide who gets what? And is this a great opportunity for us to kind of equalize, you know, is this an opportunity or is it kind of a burden for kind of marital relations? Is it going to help improve marital relations? Or is it a stress, you know, like what are you seeing in your relationship and maybe what are you seeing in your friends' relationships? I see both. I see people getting closer and then I see people trying to figure out what they need to do after this pandemic to get apart. Well, I definitely see both too. And maybe in the same couple, 
at different times. And it, even with us, my husband and I, we do the best that we can to support each other. But sometimes it's just impossible when two meetings are going on at the same time and we have to put our child onto some online thing that he doesn't need our attention. He'll just watch something. And one of those times you just have to let it go and let's say it's okay. I think that it's a, it, with your question about equality, I think sometimes it's a bigger question with society that when we're breaking up these roles and both of us are at home, a lot of the times the childcare and the household duties fall on my shoulders because he gets paid more and then I have to work less. That's just the reality of it. And the other thing is because I've been skilled traditional ways of being a mother, learning how to cook since I was young. And my husband was always chewed out of the kitchen when he was young. So now when we're in this situation together, it's just much more efficient for me to cook a meal than for him. It's not to say that he can't learn. It's just that it takes time. And we have right now the opportunities that we have that time. So when there is a break, you can start learning uh, to do more things with the household. And then with our son, we're spending this time. I have to say the great part of this is that this is the first time we can eat together as a family at dinner time. Because before he was working till eight or nine and we were never together. So that's like one of the great things that we can do together we weren't able to before. And another thing is that I'm using this opportunity since I can't work. I can't work during the daylight hours, at least. I'm using this time to teach our son all the things that make me creative and teaching him how to be creative himself, as in teaching him how to cook at six years old and teaching him to be comfortable in the kitchen. And we learn so much together. And we are a lot more creative now than if I think if he was just in school and doing things and there are 24 kids to one teacher, I can be his one-on-one -on -one teacher and my husband can too. And that's, that's really fantastic. I'm going to rewind a little bit back to one of your comments because I want to just, you know, we're all in the design profession I can do many tasks with a chaotic environment and an office environment, but sometimes when you need to design or analyze something, you need to shut everything out. And I, you either put headphones on and if you're in an office or at home, you quiet, you go to a room, you lock yourself up, kind of what your husband sounds like he does. When do you do design work, you know, that concentrated focused design work? When does that happen for you? Can you do it with your son at the same workstation in that same space? Or what's the optimal time for you? I have to say, unfortunately, with the six-year-old, you can't do it when he's awake. They need constant attention and they need constant care and checking up on them. I think the only time that I really can do concentrated design work when I'm on the computer and just need that solid chunk of time is after he goes to bed. And then the other times during the day when I'm meeting with my office, 
So that time my son is on the computer and online on his own. So that's the time when he can't talk to me and he does his own thing. But, but yeah, really, it has to be after he's in bed. And that's where I think there might be some issues that you referred to in this pandemic time that may be reinforcing the gender roles and maybe the way that we don't necessarily don't head towards equity uh, that are more reinforcing, like it's more efficient for you to cook. And I wonder if there are some design strategies to address this. And maybe, Melissa, you can chime in. And also just like, this is a stress on women. They already kind of do, you know, proportionally more housework than men do, just statistically. But now in the pandemic, are we pushing women a step back? And then in the design industry, and, and, and I know, Melissa, you're very connected spiritually. How is this affecting our fellow colleagues and friends, what are the stresses they're seeing? And also, what are some design solutions? What can we do as designers or as friends or as people who connect spiritually? What can we do to work through these issues? So that's giant. <laughs> that's why I'm asking you, because I know you can address them. I know you have the solution. How do you bring peace to the planet? (laughs) Okay, so this is an extremely large, intense question. In In the most simple way of response, I would say it's practicing deeper listening. Practicing deeper listening to both yourself, your body, not the mental chatter that's more of a distraction but the deep inner listening to yourself and your body and then to the person across from you, whether it's a colleague, anyone in your family, who you live with, who you don't live with, that deep listening quality really allows us to take a breath and slow down. And then many times, I'm not saying it's automatic, But the practice of deep listening helps us to hear with a more compassionate heart what the other person is actually experiencing. And so then with that space of breath and deep listening, true solutions, honest solutions can start to come about. Even if, you know, and of course that means even in conflict. I'm hearing of, and you all have mentioned this too, where some couples are discovering that they should divorce during this time. And so, you know, we can, we can use the, we can use conscious uncoupling if we want to, but there, I think there's a lot that can be untangled and unraveled during this time that we're, we're up against that we, that we're being pressed to unravel and untangle with the ultimate goal of harmony right? With the ultimate goal of better relationships with ourselves and with others. Until you really can sit still in deep listening, creating a harmonic solution, just it can't happen. You can probably create a well-designed quick solution, but it's not necessarily going to be a solution that truly brings more harmony to a house, a household. 
You know, as design professionals, that's something that we're called to do is to go to that listening space and then go back to your space and design with that in mind of what your client has expressed and listen to everything, listen to their actions, observe how they're acting in their space, observe what they want. So it is that deeper listening that just goes beyond their words. And I wonder, I mean, Loanne, going back to your situation and our situation, our, all our situations are a little different and sometimes hinder our productivity or our focus with our careers and our, basically the future of what we want to do with our lives. How do you listen maybe? And you've done some innovative things in your house that I think are a reflection of you listening to the situation that you're in, listening to your husband, listening to your child, and you solving this from a design perspective? Well, I have to say that we were in such a lucky situation because when we moved to Burbank, we we needed to buy a house for our, our son. We didn't have, we were living and renting before. And in that lucky situation, we were able to revamp the whole inside. And I had the chance, this is when I wasn't working. I finally, after all these years designing spaces for other people, this is the first time I'm doing something for myself. And in looking at our space on the inside, there we have this amazing double height dining room. And it was an eight type of situation where there was a wet bar and a sink and a mirrored area. And I just thought, I'm creative. What we need instead of this wet bar, we need an art pantry. So I built this whole area. So I said, we have to have a permanent space for art supplies. And we have to use this dining space as this creative space. And we have to have place to hang up art. And that was the beginning idea of creating a space that is creative. And it just brings me back to many, many years ago when I just started working after I graduated. We were doing child development centers. And as our research, we visited this nursery school. The way that they were, their philosophy was stuck with me forever. They said, for these children who were from two to four or so years old, preschoolers, uh, the concept behind it is that you always have to have a permanent space for children to explore and do art that they don't have to put away at the end of the day so that they can continue it and have that space to be creative over time. And because of that, that's why I decided, okay, in our house, we're going to do that. And so that's, that's how our space is like. We're, our dining room table, we put a half of it is for eating. The other half is for some permanent creative project that we're doing, and it can go on for days or weeks. And it's okay to have that mess. So I think being okay with a mess is has helped us a lot. And uh, and having places that you have that are clean or wet restful spaces versus spaces where you can be messy, that's really been crucial in our home. I love what you said about having these two different spaces and being okay with your home having these uses. And I think. Even without the pandemic, I think what you're saying about having a, a specific creative space 
and a focus on hanging artwork or whatever your focus is and your personal interests is, I think we, we are kind of stuck in this dynamic of what a house is. You know, for me, I grew up and the house was always immaculate. It was always super clean. It was always something that you weren't supposed to use or be in. <laughs> you weren't supposed to be in certain rooms that were only for guests every, you know, other month or once a year, you know, and we wouldn't use certain, like the dining room table, the formal dining room table. We would never use that. We'd use it once a year or twice a year. And it's this idea that we do create these spaces in our house that maybe are a waste of space and not useful for ourselves, for our spiritual selves or our well-being. And I wonder, do we maybe need to rethink how we design interior spaces? Like, I think this is where some new ideas come out of this pandemic is how can we start thinking differently did the pandemic break down this wall, this barrier that we knew that was there to good design in our houses? Have we kind of broken open some floodgates here to explore our interior spaces? And I'd like to hear from you, Melissa, on kind of what your vision of the future is for interior design. I'm gonna reference a little of what I said earlier and see if I can riff on that a little bit. And that, the, so the floodgates, you, your use of the word floodgate, it is that now we are required to handle our full life and our full lifestyle within one dwelling. And we are not as compartmentalized and or fragmented environmentally, structurally, as we were previously. There isn't a rushing out the door and you know that, that constant regurgitation of behavior has really changed. Thank goodness that pressurized repetition of behavior does nobody any good, period. New thought. In terms of the way in which we can go forward with interior design, I think categorically it requires some different categories and ways of approaching because, so let's just take this little group as a sample. So I live in a very small one bedroom apartment. And for me, I am not in a place where I can purchase something and, or I can't purchase something larger than that. And I don't feel comfortable at this time in the, the way the world is going to commit more finances to a bigger space. I can imagine a bigger space, but that's not what my reality is. And it's, and I don't foresee my, that really reality changing anytime soon. So then in contrast, Loanne has a larger home in Burbank. She also has more people that it has to care for. Jamie, I've never seen your home, but if we talk about the sample of the home that you grew up in, you know, that's a, that's a very different category of family and human experience of having, you know, maybe a three or four bedroom with a formal dining room, with a family room, with perhaps a den, with, you know, with many other shared rooms and spaces. So I, I do think, I don't think there's any one way I can answer in all truth. And I'm not just trying to get myself off the hook. <laughs> 
but I do, I really do think that it has to be approached in terms of what is the dwelling and who is the population in the dwelling. And then from there, really investigate the full selves who are occupying the dwelling versus this is just my place for rest. This is just my storage container because I'm too busy going back and forth from work to handle stuff. And so that, you know, that corner that you come in is packed with piles. That closet is packed with piles. I do think it's an incredible opportunity for the investigation of how are we behaving through our space? How are we relating to our own body and the space around us? And it has to be handled in individual circumstances. Yes. And I think design is, is, and that goes back to your comment about we need to listen and we need to listen to each other. And specifically in the design industry, I think we need to listen to our clients a little deeper, have that deeper listening and actually respond with maybe something outside the box. For me, it's always comfortable to just do the same thing over and over again from a design perspective. And I see it constantly. I'm not just saying that I, yeah, it's convenient. It's harder to propose something different. And I've, but I, I think people would enjoy it and be open to it, a new dynamic. And I feel like Loan, you are practicing that in your space. You've adapted your space to this current pandemic situation, but you've also specifically designed it that way when you uh, moved into the house, renovated the house. I think that might be part of it is, is that idea that we can repurpose our spaces. It's not a money issue. It's just whether we're willing to reuse these spaces that we have for different purposes. And maybe, Loanne, you can speak to how you, one, created your space, but also do you have a, a space for you to be restful? I know you've described spaces that I feel are very active. Uh, <laughs> is there a space that you've designed that where you can get some rest and some peace and focus other than between nine and midnight? Thanks for asking that. Uh, I think a big struggle for a lot of us, a lot of us is how to be restful. And it goes back with what Melissa, you were saying about listening and listening to yourself as well. I think that adding to it is, is the idea of being wholehearted in the moment, just being wholehearted with what you're doing. Uh, I imagine if you're always running towards something or thinking of what you need to do next, it's very stressful. And, but if you know in the schedule that you're doing this to the next thing, just while you're doing whatever you're doing, if I'm being a mother at this moment, I'm going to spend that time mothering. And if I'm being a employee and I'm working and a designer, then I'm going to spend that time doing that. Just the focus is hard. How do you become restful is really being flexible, I guess. We made our living room into our multi-purpose space in which we've taken away the coffee table. There's just no use for our coffee table if besides having cars running through it or on them for my son, not that we're serving anybody or, or having any guests come over. So we've removed that and 
at times just to turn on yoga and we do yoga together. So that would become our space where we can be restful together. It is really a thing that you have to be conscious about with your space that while there are a lot of active spaces in our house, there are also times and places where this is calm down time. At seven o'clock, 7.30, we all have to go upstairs and get ready for bedtime. And bedtime may take two hours, but that's the wind down time for us. For my, for my son, who desperately, we need to get him to sleep by 8.30 if we're going to have any time as adults between my husband and I together to just wind down from that day. Now that's beautiful. I do want to close with, we touched on a few issues, and I like this idea of getting out of our box. And I think, Loanne, you've described just recreating your space for your situation, redesigning your space for your current situation. And Melissa, you've given us some wonderful advice on how to connect and and really what we need to do is listen. I also think we need to speak up because I do think this idea that it's a protest moment worldwide, especially in our in our country. And women in the workplace and, you know, folks that are less fortunate in the workplace have difficult situations in their home environment. And we, I think we need to keep talking about how women succeed coming out of this pandemic as professionals, as workers. I don't think we can reinforce traditional gender roles from the past that have kept women back professionally. And I want to kind of close with that. I want to hear your thoughts on that moving forward, because I think we need to design our way out of this. Loanne, I'll let you go first. Wow. So I would like to say that this pandemic time, it's been pretty incredible with broadening the world for our son and that he came from being very innocent and insular within our family. And from that all the way to the pandemic and knowing about it, he learned how to graph from learning how to graph coronavirus cases in Burbank. I mean, just one of those things. He learned about racial justice by seeing the protests and learning about so much about climate change and about our political system. I think this is the time where we can really just use our mind to think broadly about the world. I think that because my office, my small office has so many parents and a lot of them working mothers and young mothers, one of our employees is on maternity leave now, that we use this opportunity to talk and give support to other women and to say realistically what the struggles are in order for the younger people in our firm to understand that it's just not... It's not as easy as it looks necessarily, and that a lot of our the mothers are having a lot of trouble. And we're so fortunate from in my situation at least to at least have a job and my husband and we're not really struggling, but to understand that a lot of people are and we have the space, but a lot of people don't have space. They have to share one space with so many. To use what we, this privilege that we have in order to be a support for others 
and to speak out, to speak out when things are not right and then also to make it right. I love that. Melissa, what are your parting words? I'm really glad that you brought up speaking out because, of course, listening becomes ineffective if there isn't anything to listen to. Um, I, I would, I, st- I do still want to underline listening to the inner self and listening to your body, which doesn't, I mean, particularly our body doesn't have the same conscious language, but it gives us tremendous information. And with that, we all, I was just on a call earlier today about the, the fear that comes up when we want to have a conversation, specifically with family. When we want to have a conversation, we know that we're not aligned in values. We know that there's a misalignment, an ill alignment, and the fear, basically the fear is being rejected. If I speak my voice, I will not be loved. And so to me, I mean, this is a behavioral psychology conversation, you know, that then that maybe maybe we create spaces for and in, in, in public spaces, but we have to practice speaking. And so maybe, maybe it's practicing with friends. Like Loan was just talking about, you have office mates who can truly talk about the truth of what it is to be a parent and how to, how to hold both working and parenting and being a mate, all of those things. And I think that to speak up, sometimes we become muted Sometimes we become become paralyzed because we're afraid the result of that will be that I am not loved. And so to be with loving coworkers, friends, and practice saying the things that you're terrified to say around others and just that little practice. I mean, it's just like working out, you know, like you start with a five pound weight and you work with a five pound weight for a week and then you go to a six pound weight. And then maybe the next week you go to a 20 pound weight and realize that that was dumb. (laughs) You need to go, you need to like rewind. Um, But I think all of these things really require practice. I don't think it, oh, on a dime, we're going to change it. We have to be in um, a daily, or I mean, at least in terms of awareness, maybe it's not every day, maybe it's once a week, maybe it's twice a month, whatever it is, but we have to be in a practice of change, a practice of speaking up when it's scary to speak up, a practice of listening when you're not used to listening. These all have to be practices of evolution. You see, I think you did solve all the problems that we were talking about, Melissa. Uh, I I agree a hundred percent with you. We do feel like to build relationship, we need to be vulnerable. And as Loanne was saying, you need to tell it how it really is. You know how it really is working as a mother. You know, and the sacrifices you need to make, and you know, working from nine to midnight. You know, is the most productive hours, and and uh, reconfiguring your space for your kid. Uh, to also be a, have a productive lifestyle, but I I also think, and this is the purpose of this podcast is to do exactly that for us to listen to each other and really come up with solutions together through listening and also being vulnerable and sharing your ideas openly. And I think I super appreciate Loanne you joining us and Melissa you joining us today. 
because you really gave yourself to this conversation and shared honestly what's going on in your lives. And I think that is the start of a deeper design conversation for how the three of us actually address this issue. But I think we need to keep talking and sharing ideas and really uh, sharing honestly with each other, vulnerably with each other. So I want to thank you both for being on today. Truly an honor. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to All About Design. Be sure to follow our channel and stay tuned for our next episode.